Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Coming up, Lab and I recap a wild week at TPC Sawgrass and the redemptive powers of victory. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. It was a great week for Team Callaway at the PGA Tour's flagship event as Taylor Gooch, John Rahm, and 2017 Players' Champion Siwoo Kim all finished in the top 10. All three of these players have an epic speed driver, Callaway irons, Callaway jaws wedges, and an Odyssey putter in their bags. Gooch's 14 Callaway clubs made 22 birdies this week on the way to a top five finish. Lab, you and I both were at TPC Sawgrass on Sunday. We were both entertained. I think I can say that. I think I could speak for you on that front. But you wrote a really good story on Sunday night on GolfChannel.com about Justin Thomas, who has had a difficult year for a variety of reasons, and what this victory means to him. Thank you. Uh, we did have a great week at the Players' Championship. That was the first time we were together in the same press tent since, what, the Augusta National and the November we had Masters? Dinner. You and I had we dinner. We did have together. dinner. It was socially distanced and, and outdoors, but we, we did have dinner as we slowly get close to uh, our, our normal lives once again. Um, and, and you're right, and I think, you know, it was it was kind of a tricky story to write, to be honest with you, on, on Sunday night because JT has – has kind of held close to this vest, you, you know, what his, what his feelings and what his emotions are now. I think he's, he's been a little bit more protective um, when, when talking to the media. And so when you saw the outpouring of emotion, not just from him, but also, you know, his, his family, his, his dad, his mom, his girlfriend, um, even his putting coach was, was a little bit emotional as well. And so there's obviously multiple layers to the story. I think a lot of the emotion was the fact that he was reminded that his grandfather, Paul, who, who passed away on the eve of the final round of the Phoenix Open last month, uh, was not there to celebrate. That's, that's a, I would say, a, a main reason why, in particular, Mike Thomas was so emotional. That was his father. And seeing his dad uh, tear up um, kind of made Justin do the same. But I think it's also just the toll that these last couple of months have, have put on JT. He, he himself said that it's been a crappy couple of months and that he was really just waiting for something good to happen, something positive to happen. We all, we, we talked about at the time, the homophobic slur he uttered uh, in the very first event in Hawaii. And it eventually became, you know, an issue of, of how much penance is sufficient because he'd apologized profusely. A sponsor had dropped him. He had said all the right things and that he still seemed to carry the weight of that mistake with him. And then it was only compounded by the fact that then his grandfather died. And then a couple weeks after that, 
You had Tiger Woods, who was in the horrific car accident. And Tiger is one of JT's now closest friends, obviously his boyhood idol. And so all of these issues were compounding on a 27-year-old who, entering 2021, had had a gilded life and career. There's nothing that has gone wrong in his career. He's transitioned from a junior phenom to a college star to a, to a professional superstar, and it now at, at age 27 is a lock for the Hall of Fame. Nothing had ever gone wrong. And so this was really um, the, the first time that he's dealt with public backlash, first time he's dealt with really losing a, a family member who was close to him, uh, the first time that he's dealt with, with something um, as horrific as what, as what Tiger experienced in L.A. And so for him to, to overcome some of the adversity, some of it, of course, which was self-inflicted, um, I thought was, was a testament and something that both he and his father, Mike Thomas, said should be a really big breakthrough for him because now he can move forward and, and focus on golf in a better headspace. And you and I talked about this Sunday afternoon. Like it was kind of as he made the turn and he just was playing fabulous golf and, and he was putting himself in a position that it seemed like this was almost inevitable as well as Lee Westwood had played as impressive as Bryson DeChambeau had been. And the problem with the idea of what you wanted to write, what you should have written, which you ended up writing is that there is going to be another side of this conversation, right? There is going to be the cancel culture who says that it doesn't matter what he does on the golf course, that he still, that homophobic slur still came out of his mouth. There are still people who were offended. There were still people who were hurt by this. And I'm not sitting here trying to pretend that that's not the case. And I'm not trying to pretend that a victory at the players championship or anywhere else is going to fix all of these things for these people or for JT for that matter. Cause he still has things. I mean, he lost major sponsors because of this and they, they probably did the right thing on that front simply because of in the world we live in, they're absolutely right. There is no place in sports or anywhere else for those types of phrases, those types of words, the, that type of behavior. All that being said is, I think just emotionally, for JT, just as a person and a player, who you're absolutely right. I mean, he could not have been more apologetic. He could not have apologized more or more profusely, or in my opinion, more honestly. In this particular case, it does, and I agree with Mike. I think this shows that he has reached a point where he is ready to move on, that I really think, and he probably is not comfortable admitting this, that it impacted him. And I can say that because there's a colleague at Golf Channel who I watched, went through something very, very similar. And I watched it impact him. You're looking around like, where am I going with this, right? And he, he probably wouldn't even like me saying this, but, but having covered the story and having been someone who is now his friend, when Trip Eisenhower had his issues, uh, with, when he hit the bird and he killed the bird and, and he was very apologetic and he, he handled it the very same way. However, it, it cost him pretty much the rest of his career because you can't really get away from something like that. And so I would just say that in JT's case, it is impressive that he has been able to work through what, what has been a very, very difficult time for a number of different reasons. And we, we saw a JT on Sunday that was refreshed. And I think we do, we saw JT on Sunday that seems like he is ready to move on. And, you know, Rex, you and I both, uh, we, we tend to walk the back nines of, of these big tournaments, not just to, to kind of see how the final groups are, are going to play, but also kind of to, to get some color. And so when I went out there, I had full intentions of, of writing a Lee Westwood story. And then Justin Thomas, Birdie nine, birdie ten, eagle eleven, birdie twelve, and it became that it pretty, became pretty obvious 
even with a short miss that, that JT had on 14, that he was going to win the golf tournament. And so what I was really curious to see was that I wanted to see what the fan reaction was because in our little media world, when Justin, every time Justin Thomas sits down for one of these virtual news conferences, he is inevitably asked about the quote unquote distractions. Some of them obviously had been put on himself and some of them um, were off course that he had, that he had no control over. And so I wanted to see if fans were reminding him of it, if it was still as, as uh, the, the support was uh, as unwavering as it has been in the past. And you got to keep in mind, TBC Sawgrass is probably not on the same scale, but at least close to the vibe that you get at TBC Scottsdale in terms of these are boisterous fans. This was roughly 10,000 a day. It sure seemed like it was more than that, but it was roughly 10,000 fans a day. The most the, the tours had for spectator footprint in nine months. And so if anyone was going to get drunk and start heckling Justin Thomas, it was going to be at a tournament like the Players' Championship, right? And yet, walking that back nine with it, I didn't hear a single barb. I didn't hear a single jeer. I didn't hear a single heckle that was directed toward him. Everyone was cheering for him. Everybody. It was universal. And so I think it was also a good reminder that, that we can get caught up in these narratives and, and, and some of these um, you know, social media hot takes. And I, I think it, it, was, it was warranted because when you ask Justin Thomas, he's the one who still says that he's dealing with the fog. He's the one who's still dealing with the backlash. He's the one who sure. said that he had to seek professional help to work through some of these problems with a, with a psychologist. And so it was true, but I think it's also a, a reminder that sports fans generally are a forgiving bunch. They want to see great shots. They want to see players like Justin Thomas, who's the number three, now number two ranked player in the world, do things that they cannot do. And that's exactly what JT did when he shot 132 on the weekend, uh, tied the lowest score ever at the Players' Championship, and won yet another big title. I think he's like the fourth player now who has won a major, the Players, the WGC, and the FedEx Cup. Like It's, it's pretty elite company that, that he's already in. As we mentioned, we actually were together last week. We had to, we had the opportunity to see to have a couple meals together. However, I think uh, we owe the audience an apology because when we taped last week's podcast, we went to we, we thought we were being clever. We went to the same room where we had taped the last the symmetry, podcast. the symmetry. Yes. It was undeniable. We, we, we thought we were being clever, but we we owe an apology to everyone because apparently the audio of that, because we were in the same room together, and I guess there was some bad audio, specifically at GoGo Gadget Willie. Willie, who sent a tweet out, oh, the audio quality, hashtag echo, otherwise fab. And Willie, your, your, Thank emoji, you, Willie. Game, your emoji game is very, very strong. Lab tweeted you back. I'm, I'm sorry I did not, but I agree with Lab. Hate to hear that. Appreciate the kind words. We're going to try to fix it. I am now wearing. We love you, Willie. My, yes, I am now wearing my microphone in my face to try to make sure that this is better moving forward and you mentioned the crowds and i do want to talk about the crowds there was it, it was an interesting sunday it, it, it was fun to get back to something closer to normal it might have been a little uncomfortable for some people who are watching at home i will say that having walked quite a bit of that golf course last week i think the vast majority of people adhere to most social distancing guidelines maybe sunday around 17 seemed like it was a, it was a little crowded but otherwise i think everyone was wearing their masks yeah, i mean there's a there's a there's a clear way to get around 
the mask mandate. That's to that's to buy that's one right. of the one of the twelve dollar beers and just yes. nurse it for like eight yes. hours. Yes. Oh sure, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this to my lips and and take a sip. I w- I will say I thought the mask compliance it got worse as the week went on, but I think overall it was still very good to excellent somewhere somewhere in that range and it made me uh hopeful for the future we can we can continue to talk about that i didn't mean to interrupt you no no no, no. i and i think i echo those comments simply because in, and i'll give the tour credit they had the, the people walking around with the signs that didn't say you know silence or quiet that said mask on which i thought was pretty pretty clever they had people walking around politely asking please put your mask on sir please put your mask on madam whatever the case may be and but the one part i wanted to transition from and you're right i did not hear anyone heckling JT coming down the stretch about things that you and I as, as media members probably get caught up in. The one thing that I did hear, and I think you're going to agree with this, that when it comes to Bryson, people are, are flocking to him for all the obvious reasons. He, he's, he's crazy long. He's doing all these experiments about trying to gain more speed. He's playing very, very good golf. I don't want to dismiss that at all. But And I said this in a radio interview the other day, and I really feel it. When crowds are now around JT, they want to see him do something special. They want to see Tiger Woods do something special on the golf course. As I walked with Bryson last week, I felt like that crowd just wanted to see the bearded lady. It was, they, I, I, I think I tweeted it out. Like they don't even cheer anymore. They don't, they don't clap. They literally just laugh. Like they, they want to see him teed up really high, swing really hard and just take on some of these absolutely ridiculous lines over trees. And he was doing that. And so the, the sound you hear afterward isn't applause. It isn't, it isn't a go get him, Bryson. It's just laughter. People think it's funny. Like it's, it's funny to see this behemoth of a man who actually has trimmed down about 10 to 12 pounds, this behemoth of a man swinging 135 miles an hour and, and hit at 350. That was not a golf course that he should have been doing that on. And, and, and yet he did. And so it is a little bit like a carnival act. That's not to take away from what Bryson is doing. Cause I think it's absolutely no. incredible. I mean, like incredible I say, when I say the bearded the lady, I'm not, this isn't a, when I call him the bearded lady, I'm not, this has nothing to do with him. I mean, I respect, I, I think I respect him more now after last week than I probably ever have simply because his dedication to his craft, he wants to be so much better at his job than most people ever are at their jobs. And I appreciate that. Like I am very, very much a fan of, of Bryson DeChambeau. Now for that specific reason, this has more to do with just the sideshow that he has become in golf. This has more to do with the fact that people are just there to see the crash on turn three at, at Daytona now. Cause I think when you look at what he do, do, is able to do to golf courses and uh, the specific example that I want to give is, is on 18. Like everyone was just, cheering and just berating him to hit driver there and he wouldn't do it and he talked about it one day afterwards that the pressure not to hit driver and to tee up a forearm and you don't pull off that forearm it's not going to go well with the crowd like suddenly there is a whole new added level of pressure like what what happens on on bay hill over the weekend if on that six hole this if he if he determined because of the wind that the smart play was actually like just hit three wood just hit three wood at the bunker and you would still just have a long iron in he would have like as you said he would have been berated by the fans oh, yeah. and so there is going to be a little bit of a peer pressure element um i i will say in in sideshow is a is a good way to describe it i was standing uh by the range one of the rounds i think it was on saturday um i wasn't standing on the range of course uh, standing by the range that's an important distinction uh, adjacent run a run a foul of the tour guidelines but bryson's manager connor 
was just there waiting with his heavy backpack with all of his contraptions in it. He was waiting there for 20 minutes in a crowded gathered like two or three deep, just waiting there because he knew that that's where he's going to set up. Never mind the fact that Bryson's probably only going to hit like 10 drivers on the range. Like he's not going to be wasting his energy and his exhaustive efforts on the, on the practice team before he goes out there. He's, he's going to slowly, very slowly work up to, to hitting a driver, but they didn't care. They, they just, they just wanted to stand there for the sole purpose of seeing him swing at 135 miles an hour. And I think that's going to continue as long as there's going to be fans on tour, especially when he gets to some of these tournaments where he can really let it rip. Augusta certainly comes to mind uh, where he can let it rip a little bit more than he was able to do at TPC Sawgrass. It's absolutely that it's like the 11 o'clock feeding for the penguins at the aquarium and everyone gets there at at 11 at 10 50 because you have to get a good seat. And so as soon as you saw Connor, set up the backpack and everything else oh look he's coming about to get fed yes he's coming yep. we, we have to get in line honey get the kids quickly let's pull them over here which is i'm not even saying this is bad for golf i mean i'm not even trying to, to be derogatory it's such a different lane though for the fans for what he's bringing to the game that being said and it, it's amazing that for three days i felt like bryson dominated the conversation and then the last, I don't know, two hours of the tournament, it, it suddenly switched and went to JT for all the right reasons because of the competition and what he was able to do on the golf course. Probably, though, when I when I th- look back to this week, I think most of us are going to look at what Roy McIlroy admitted to on Friday after missing the cut by, I'm estimating here, 300 million strokes. And he missed the cut by that- 10 uh, in, the, in the interest of facts. He missed a cut by 10. And he was 19, 19 shots behind Lee Westwood after 36 holes. 19. 19, yes. So he missed the cut by a lot, and then he admits that the struggles that he's going through right now is because he, quote-unquote, chased speed, and that I, he would be lying, he said, if he it said that Bryson didn't have anything to do with this. And I think we've had this conversation a few times on this podcast that, look, when Tiger Woods started redefining the game in the 90s and early 2000s, there were a lot of players that looked at what Tiger was doing and said, yes, that's the way to do it. That's the way to win. This is the way we're going to make this work. I didn't think that there was many players doing that when it came to Bryson DeChambeau. But when Rory admitted that, you start thinking to yourself, I think everyone continues to tinker, maybe push the boundaries a little bit more than they would have otherwise because of what he's doing. And, and that to me is as fascinating as what Bryson has done on the golf course. Yeah, I mean, we, we always knew that there was going to be a Bryson effect. We didn't know how drastic it was going to be. We didn't know how devastating it would be for some of the top players to abandon their games that were clearly world-class and, and chase something that, you know, especially in Rory's case, he didn't need. Rory has, has been one of the top five drivers on the PJ Tour essentially since his career started, but, it's, but in particular over the past four or five years. He is always, if not the number one driver in terms of stroke gained off the tee, he is always inside the top five. And so he was trying to already build on what is the strength. It's not like I remember talking to Robbie Shelton last week. who was one of the first timers at TPC Sawgrass. And he said he was really trying to add more distance. He wasn't trying to add more distance to get Bryson length. He was trying to add more distance because he carries the ball about 270 to 275 yards. And he has figured out that at most tour courses with how they're set up, he needed to carry it 280 to clear all the bunkers, right? That's a 10 to 15 yard difference that he wanted to pick up. He's not going from Rory who wanted to go from 330 to 350. This was just a tour player who's just trying to feel like he could survive. And so for, for Rory, he has such glaring weaknesses in other parts of his game, whether it's his iron play over the past six to nine months 
wedge where his play. wedge play has always kind of been his bugaboo. His putting is certainly very streaky. For him, it just – I think that was the general reaction of, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you – why would you try to reinvent this when you already are basically dominating off the tee almost as much as, as Bryson was. It just, to me, I think it speaks to um, a level of insecurity that even the top players in the world feel where if they feel like, you know, someone else can gain just the slightest bit of advantage over them in what he had perceived as his greatest strength. I think it just, it, it showed that, that not even Rory is, is immune to those types of feelings. Well, and I kind of wrote this on, on Friday because I was curious. So I asked uh, a, a lot of players, you know, did you follow Roy's path? Were you chasing Bryson? And to be clear here, I don't think anybody is drinking four protein shakes during a round of golf and eating 6,000 calories a day and trying to gain 50 pounds. No one's trying to do that. Like, I don't think that works for anyone outside of Bryson, or at least I don't think anyone has sort of wrapped their mind around how that works for anyone outside of Bryson. But speed, yeah. Like when you start just breaking the numbers down in whatever ball speeds you need, 195, 190, 185, 180, whatever the case should be, all the way from Rory, who, as you pointed out, we both pointed out, like, look, he probably didn't need to pick up any distance. He was still one of the most dominant players with his driver, all the way down to Kevin Na, who I talked to about this, who could pick up tons and tons of distance if he wanted to. So I do think there is a Bryson effect. Maybe not no one is going to do it like Bryson, but they're going to continue to push the boundaries. And I think he's only going to do it that much more. And I wanted to touch on what I wrote Sunday night, which was my feel good story, which was Lee Westwood, a man of a certain age, back-to-back runner-up finishes on the PGA tour, walked off the golf course and couldn't take the smile off his face and admitted that he probably didn't have his best game on Sunday. Didn't feel comfortable. He was was hitting it everywhere. At 47 years old. I think he also admitted to some fatigue. The legs weren't working. The body wasn't working like he wanted to. And yet there was the smile on his face. He talked about going to Augusta on Monday with his son to play a few practice rounds. He's, his son's going to caddy for him at the Masters. He talked about going to the Honda Classic this week and play there. It, I, and I, I'm going to own this. Like I'm going to, to, to fall down and, and let you just do a pile driver right on top of my head because I said there was no way he was going to make the Ryder Cup team. And right now I can't imagine that Ryder Cup team without Lee Westwood. First of all, you not only said that that Lee Westwood wasn't going to be on the Ryder Cup team, and and what has happened since then is is Lee Westwood became the European number one, won the race to Dubai last year, uh, now back to back runner up finishes on the PJ Tour. He he's going to be on that team. But you also said in the year end podcast that Victor Perez was a player who was not going to be on that team for Whistling Straits. I would agree that there's a chance that he doesn't qualify for that team or doesn't get picked for that team. But he also finished inside the top 10 at TPC Sawgrass. So you're very much looking at a uh, 0 for 2 proposition on your European Ryder Cup picks. However, look, just, just at to get best, back to the topic I'm 0 for 1 hand. and a half. At best, right now, I'm 0 for 1 and a half. I'm not giving you okay. I'm not. Look, I'll That's concede fine. Lee. Like, Lee is a feel-good story. Uh, we still, we still got, we got, we still got six months. Yeah, we no, got I'm six not, months. I'm not giving That's you fine. Victor Perez. No, no, no. How much how much confidence did you have, however, that, that Lee Westwood could win on, on Sunday? Not a lot. Not a lot. And, and, and look, why I is think that? that's uh for for the reasons I just pointed out. At 47, 48 years old, it is very, very hard to compete. He looked at, he at looked level. just fine the previous three days. He did, but this is back-to-back weeks in contention. This isn't just back-to-back weeks of playing PGA tour golf, which can be taxing on a 47-year-old as it is. 
this is back-to-back weeks in contention, which, as we all know, takes even more out of the body, physically, mentally, everything. And and honestly, you could start – you saw him sort of dragging at the end of Saturday's round. I mean, it was hard to come up with a way that, okay, this is going to work out well for Lee. And I actually did talk about getting a scene, and I wish I could have written this, but it didn't play out the way I wanted it to. Bryson is on the range until three minutes before his tee time. Three minutes hitting driver after driver after driver, just working himself into this frenzy. I mean, sweat's flying everywhere, spits flying out of his mouth. Connor is standing there handing him balls, wiping down the, the club, the, the, the grip, because it's getting, you know, he's just sweating. I mean, he is just out there, just about ready to kill the world. And Lee is on the green, just this picture of serenity, hitting three-footers, smiling, laughing with his fiance, react, interacting with the crowd. Like, you could not have found two polar opposites to go head to head on a Sunday at the tournament. Maybe, maybe Lee should have spent a little bit more time on the range. Cause he, he hit some awful, awful shots on the opening stretch, which would certainly cost him the tournament. I will say, I, and I, I do agree with you. It's one of the feel good stories of 2021, along with my boy, just uh, Jordan Spieth's uh, resurgence. It is the fact that, that he does have, he does seem to have this new lease on his professional career. He's been working with a mental coach, obviously having your fiance on the bag, um, and, and traveling the world with you is going to, is going to free him up. And I just think there's, he's taken an ownership of his life and his career. When you have a caddy and you're using your fiance, all of the decisions fall on you. And so he can be 100% committed to whatever he wants to do on the golf course, whether it's a, a club on a par three or his approach shot or the wind or, or reading a putt, because he, he's not getting information from anyone else. It is, totally in his control and i think in a lot of ways that that really is freeing and there's there's a sense now that at 47 48 no one really you know expected him to be competitive any longer when you talk back about the Ryder cup he was a, a non-playing assistant captain uh in, in 2018 paris. in, in yeah. paris and so you know, this is this is a player who i think is is enjoying his his renaissance and his his resurgence as much as anyone he's inside the top 20 in the world but all these good vibes, all these good feelings, eventually on Sunday, it comes down to can you handle the moment? Can your putting stroke handle handle the pressure? Oh, he's still a bad putter. That that hasn't changed. Can you like a can good you attitude hit, and can you hit the shot? Change that exactly. That's that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like he still needs to get across the finish line. He's a, he's a top twenty player in the world, and and you have to start looking at it in through through that lens. This this attitude's great. I think it's incredible to see him at this advanced age. Uh, professionally still <laughs> battling in what is the PJ tours premier event uh, on a golf course that is against the deepest field of any that he's going to play. Absolutely. Yeah, we, yeah. It's amazing. However, there's a big However. difference between doing that on Saturday night and doing that on Sunday night. And, and Lee Westwood for all his good vibes uh, hasn't, hasn't quite gotten there yet. No. And I think he would be the first to tell you that, but there was an answer to, to a question that I asked him on Sunday that, that, just kind of blew me away as writers. We know when we get the good answer, like our eyes light up and you sort of start scribbling and your hand is shaking a little bit. We start, we start, we start sweating just kind of like Bryson does. Just, just he, like Bryson on the range, just because himself into a lather. But his, his quote to me was, and I'm going to, to not do it justice, but it was, yes, my perspective is better because I'm just playing capital A, a game. Because there's so many other things in the world that matter right now, much more so than golf. And I don't think that you'll perspective find- Perspective is a, is a very powerful tool. 
And he, and again, not arguing with you about getting it done on Sunday. Now I'm going to flip this because I knew you were going to throw the age thing out there and a man of a certain age. And I just wanted to point it out that there was the way we had to do zoom calls last week is very, very similar to the way it's been ongoing. Lee Westwood oh, please. got called this, in on Saturday. I think it was an AirPods issue. It could have been anything, but the beauty was is when Ryan Labner, the, the the young man of the entire media center, who takes great pride in pointing out how old everyone else is in the media center. They are when came, old. He, you know, when it came time for him to talk, he could not talk to the point that Lee Westwood just said, just scream your question. I'll probably hear it from where I am because we were only about 100 yards from where he is in his room at, at that time. And then the very next person was Michael Bamberger, who's about 120 years old and could not be older. <laughs> He's the oldest person in that media center. Uh, and Michael Bamberger, of course, who was a, who was a terrific And he got it writer. right. The and he got it right. did not but, get him, yeah. But he was, he was the one who dropped the F-bomb uh, during one of the very first Zoom pressers yeah, yeah. we had at, at, the, at the memorial. That was one of the most uh, infamous moments of this Zoom era, and I, which, which I am very much looking forward to ending. I think some of the, some of the rules and restrictions that us as reporters and writers have, have faced over these past nine months, they seem to be coming maybe not to a, to an end, uh, but they're certainly going to be relaxed a little bit. So we're looking forward to that. And this, this era, I think the PJ tour players are, are kind of sick of it too. There's just, there's just a better banter that you can have. And I think it helps better tell their stories when there's just, when it's, when everything's in, in person Mas- right. masks or not. I'm gonna let you get out of here. Give you 30 seconds of what's lab grilling. Boy, so this week um, I bought some skirt steak. Uh, so we're going to throw that on the PK, uh, you know, a couple minutes aside, uh, get that to the medium rare that we like. You just, um, like, you're just assuming the audience, okay, the PK, got it. Yeah. Yeah, the so PK grill. Assume. Yeah, okay, there it is. Um, and so I had, actually, funny story, I had I had uh, dinner, also socially dense, uh, uh, distance outdoor with Eamon Lynch. Eamon ordered a tenderloin. And Rex, do you want to know what Eamon, how he ordered his steak? How? Medium well. <laughs> Medium That's a well. crazy person. I almost, He's a crazy person. I almost, I can't I almost fell that. out of my chair. <laughs> I almost fell out of it. I said, do you want my shoe instead? Because that's what it's going to taste like. Um, I also think in the, in the interest um, of this podcast, you should let the people know that you stumbled into a $500 gift card. And you had me searching like all over the... It, but never mind. Sure, stumbled. You, you, you had an opportunity, and I, I was searching uh, far and wide uh, to get you new grill, a new smoker that you could have. That you would, I mean, you would have money left over. You would have money left over. One of the Weber kettle grills that I found you would have been one hundred sixty dollars. You could have had three hundred forty dollars to spend on whatever you wanted. You could have gotten. You could have gotten two. You could have gotten a grill and a smoker. And what did you get instead? Half doors from a Jeep. That's what I've wanted for a long time. You also wanted to grow in a smoker. And, you're, and you, we all know, we all know your wife is not going to let you get one. Uh, yeah, but if in the hierarchy of things she's not going to let me get, it was the doors that I knew I'm not going to be able to push over. Because eventually I have to buy a new grill because in Florida, they just, as you know, they just from rust. your, yeah, they just rust out. So of yeah, course, eventually of course the, 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 the PK does not rust because it's, it's aluminum uh, and, and high quality. Uh, which is why the price point is, is so much higher than a Weber. Um, but we, we can we can talk about that another time. Eamon Lynch is a crazy person. Nobody does that. Hey, at Go Go Gadget Willie, we did it for you. We Good love audio. you, Willie. See you next week.
Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salute to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.